Welcome to episode four of the On a Family Basis podcast. My name is Jake. What's up, everybody? I'm Ben. Oh, oh. Beat you. Beat you. Ooh. Fine. That's Dallas. If, if I talk over him, I'm sorry. And I'm Ben. And Dan is on vacation. So, again, we'll see how far off the rails this gets. But as we always start off our episodes, what did what did you guys watch this past week in sports, but also just in general? What did you guys watch? Watch the Titans lose. Yeah, how was that? <clears throat> uh, being in Nashville, I mean, everybody was pretty excited for uh, for the game. Uh, I was home too, so that added mm-hmm. to it. But then that uh, what was it like five seconds left on the clock, like field goal. Yeah. Loco. Especially by a kid who went to Florida, of all people. I mean, just, let's go. Oh, gosh. Um, Ice uh, and so, first... <laughs> so, uh Dow, I meant, and I, hey, Jake, this is for you, too. And it's weird, because, do you, Dow, when you move to a different place, because you've moved around a, a little bit, I've moved around a little bit, I know Jace lives in a different state, do you guys kind of, like, develop a kinship to the team in that state? Like, I remember when I lived in Arizona, I just kind of naturally have like an affinity for Arizona sports. Like I like the Suns now. I like the Diamondbacks. I'll always be like number twos, obviously. But I feel like I own a kinship to them. Dale, do you feel the same way? Like towards Nashville sports? Have you noticed that? I'll, I'll root for them while I'm here. Mm. That's it. And then when you leave, you don't care. Probably not. No, I mean, I mean, it'd be fun. Like I'll have a soft spot in my heart for like the city and like sure. stuff. And like you know, I met Kendra here. So um, I'll always love Nashville for that and be grateful to Nashville. But uh, as for, like, sports, um, nah, man, like, the Hawks, like, Hawks come into town. The Predators jersey goes in the closet. Blackhawk sweater comes out, right? Yeah, man, like that Homer Simpson meme. <laughs> Real bushes, Out of the bushes. Yeah. Into yeah. the bushes and right back out. Yeah, but no, yeah. I, uh, I, I do tend to – I usually pick, like, one team – from either the state or the city I'm in. So I've lived in Missouri. I've lived in North Carolina. I've spent some time in Colorado. Um, so when I was in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, kind of by nature, it was my, it's still my favorite movie, but Bull Durham, mm-hmm. I was, we were, we lived like really close, like next door to Durham. So you can see my hat. My hat is our Durham Bulls hat. So by nature of the movie, but also it was like it was in town. Uh, just by yeah, close nature, it, they became my favorite team. But in Missouri, there was no team that became like a uh, a favorite or whatever. Cardinals. Well, besides that, no, you went through that Cardinals phase. You got that Cardinals tramp stamp. No, Tell no, people. let's Tell people, no. Jake. Other people. There's, yeah, there, yeah, there, there, there is no way. That, <laughs> I mean, so I, I will openly say this is that I do not mind the Cardinals. I don't have a rivalry like feeling with the Cardinals. When I was I was in Columbia, Missouri, so it's like two hours away from St. Louis. Cardinals fans are just they were they were merciless. And yes, at that time, <laughs> at the, at that time, the Cubs were not very good. 
And they were winning World Series and stuff, so they had some bragging rights, but they were just a non-stop. So, no, the Cardinals never crossed the radar. All right, that's That's fair. So, Ben, what'd you watch? Well, I watched the insane playoff games. I text Dave immediately after the Bills and Chiefs finished, and I was like, that may be the greatest game I've ever seen. Right? That game is insane. And then I thought about it for a second, and I don't know if you guys remember, but in 06 when the Bears were making the Super Bowl run, we had that Monday night game against the Cardinals. And that's where Danny Green went crazy and the Bears are who we thought they were. And that game is still my favorite football game I've ever seen. Because Rex Grossman was so terrible, and the offense was so terrible, and the defense and stuff became America's most reliable defense. And they came back, and they won that game off Devin Hester and that insane Bears defense that year. So that was that's always going to be number one. I mean, it, it would take a lot for that to be surpassed, but that was probably the best quarterbacking I think I've ever seen in my life. Like that was Madden video game stuff that you were seeing between two guys that are as as old as my wife, and that's pretty fairly young. So they're like 25, which is crazy. So so did you watch the other three games? Oh, I watched – yeah, I watched all of them. They were all insane. Anytime you get to watch the Packers lose as a Bears fan, which I know the three of us are, yeah. great. Great day, right? Huh? Um, so watching them lose, awesome. Um, <clears throat> the Bengals – I do like I, I do like the Bengals. Burrow was great, and then but not always great. No, I mean he's great. Not I at think all. he's he's great as a, as, ah. a, as a quarterback. He's great, uh, and then obviously the uh, uh, the other NFC game that I'm drawing a blank on. Tampa Bucks yeah, and Rams. Yeah. Uh, Rams. Yeah, uh, I, anytime Tom Brady loses is cool. I mean I do like him. I don't I don't hate him like other people do, but I was cool with the Rams. You know Bill, yeah, Bill Rodriguez. He's a big Rams fan. And my buddy yeah. Jeff Ramsey, they're big Rams fans. So uh, I'm cool with them if they win. Yeah, I got friends that are. Fans. Yeah, you know what? I actually did watch football uh, this weekend, and three of well, all four of the games ended on the last play of the game. Right, that's crazy. Which is which is a record, and I'm just kind of. I'm kind of kind of lucky, but also it's it was a lot of time that I spent yeah. watching f- uh, football. But I was yeah. lucky that that was the one week I watched. It was so it was good. Uh, did you ever was, show anyone like a weekend of, of football to watch? And like, hey, just watch these four games, and yeah. then this, and then just every game will be a disappointment after this. But that's what I've, I've heard. It was uh, I heard the rest of the games were yeah a sight to yeah. see for sure. No, but Delsa, last week you said there was a show on Netflix called Stay Close. Yeah. yeah. Did you finish that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so after you mentioned it, Ellie and I like binged it, and we were already done. Yeah, it was pretty good, huh? And let me just say, without ruining it for anyone who's listening... For any, for, so I won't ruin it, but I will say I will give myself some credit. I figured it out in episode three. Nice. That's a really uh, how many how many episodes season? Eight. There's there's three episodes. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. When they finally wrapped on episode three, <laughs> I still had my suspicions, but I wasn't sure. Nah, but I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. 
no, it was good. It was a, it was a good show. I wouldn't say it was a fantastic show, but it was very easy to get wrapped up in. Uh, you definitely, if I didn't guess and you know, kind of be reinforced as I went along, it kept you waiting <clears throat> until the end. I think you might like, was it, I think it's called Stranger. Um, it's, it's off of uh, the, like a different series by the same author, but um, it's a similar style kind of uh, developing story and stuff like that. I think it's another, I'm pretty sure it's another British show. This is this Netflix, a, right? Solid. Mm-hmm. Dude, I think we, we're so spoiled with the amount of great television. Like, especially yeah, if you like, like, these crazy crime dramas. Like, True Detective right. are insane. Like, if you really dig those kind of shows, like, this is the zenith of your television yeah. watching experience. Oh, dude, it's, it's amazing. Like, with all the streaming services, it's just, there's so much competition out there nowadays. Oh, yeah. You have to you have to make good stuff for that. They will get you canceled. And or you, you will not yeah. getting your 10 bucks a month from me. I mean, and Netflix actually just raised its prices to, uh, I think it's the max plan is 20 bucks a month. All right, now I'm going to start going back to theaters. No way. (laughs) No way. Shout out to the Lee family for hooking that up with uh, (laughs) that free Netflix, baby. All right. So let's uh, kind of move on to the first topic, which is first base. And that's the Hall of Fame class of 2022. Now, mm. we're recording this on Tuesday night, so we actually got to watch it. I don't know if you guys got to watch it, but I did. And I was pleasant. I was surprised. But also, as Ben and I talked about before we started recording, I was uh, not surprised that some things kind of came down. Disappointed, but not surprised. So... The Hall of Fame class of 2022 for Major League Baseball, the there was only one induction to the Hall of Fame, and that was D.H. David Ortiz. Now, that doesn't mean that players like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, and our unanimous choice for Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame Todd Helton, did not get in. But... One player did of our selection, and that was David Ortiz. Uh, did you guys? Did you guys get to watch it? And what did you guys think? So I was at work. <clears throat> so when you texted me the list, or when you texted, you know, the group the list, that was the first I had actually seen it. Um, we, like you said, we we were talking before we started recording. Not surprised that Sosa and Bonds, or not Sosa. Well, not surprised that Sosa didn't make it, but not surprised that Bonds and Clemens didn't make it. But it's still disappointing. You know, they were easily in my Hall of Fame. I think they were on three of the four of ours, minus Dallas. And then Ortiz was on the three of ours, minus Dan's. So it's like we, we, we kind of had the same idea of, you know, what happened, but it's just like it was disappointing. Um, Helton getting what he have like fifty three percent, I think it was what it was or something that you, you texted. Uh, yeah, that's gonna like that he's at least yeah he's at least you know on uh, on the ballot still you know so that's good. 
I think Maguire, not Maguire, well, I think uh, Sosa, Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, they're all going to get in on the, the uh, era vote. Because they're, they're going to want to box it into that specific era of, so yeah, all of those true. steroid guys, I think, are just going to get pushed past out, out the 10 years and then get put mm. into the era version instead of putting them in like with the rest of the Hall of Fame. I think it's like so, a purposeful way of um, getting them in their own, like without baseball acknowledging, we need a wing of a steroid wing to the Hall of Fame. It's like their version of that without it being that. Without it just be for these players. Saying it. I, it won't be just for these players, you know what I mean? Because there, there are other guys that are still in that just kind of like right. made, didn't make it past her. Like Harold Baines, right? Way past 10 years, but still got voted in. So it's like nobody's ever accused Harold Baines of taking steroids. But, you know, he would still be in that same era of like the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. I looked it up, the year span, but I don't remember what it is. But it's like essentially the 90s to present is the modern era. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to start in grouping all of the steroid guys into that. And then you're going to mm-hmm. It's on by default. Well, just to just to uh, tell you, Todd Helton again, our unanimous uh, choice for the Hall of Fame got fifty two percent, which is, of course, it's more than a majority, but it's not close to our one hundred percent. So got a ways to go. So Dallas, did you have some? Called it. All right, so I know we we did not vote in Schilling as the the four of us. I know I did vote for him. Why do you think someone like Kurt Schilling is not in the Hall of Fame? Is it simply because Twitter exists? Or is it because he doesn't really, you know, do the voters believe he does not deserve a spot as one of the best of all time? What do you think? Yeah, you want to go? <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> I would say the the Hall of Fame is always it's always been a tricky balancing act, right? Like, how much do you of the person's off the field stuff or their, their character? Yeah, is is incorporated to who they were as a baseball player, right? No one will ever question how good of a person Cal Ripken Jr. was, right? Everybody loved Cal Ripken Jr. He was so loved. It helped that he was also great at baseball. But he was always going to get votes because everyone was loved him. Everyone, you know, respected him. You and I talked about last week, Jake Gary Sheffield, right? Incredible numbers. But he's a jerk. A lot of people didn't like him. And so it doesn't matter how good of numbers he was going to put up, people weren't going to vote for him. But I really Reggie do. Jackson had great numbers, but he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer because he rubbed some people the wrong way. And that's just kind of how it is. Like when you have a flawed system, like humans judging other humans, right. you're going to have like biases and stuff built up. And that's just, I think, natural. So if some guy stiffed you on an interview, you know, a couple times, and now you now you just dislike this guy. And you're like, well, I don't want to vote for this guy. I don't like him. So now you just don't like him. And all of a sudden his personal stuff is different right now shilling is a whole different beast because of his stuff is very extreme. right and you yeah. and, and twitter did kind of bring that to the forefront without twitter i wouldn't have known kurt schilling right. was a bad guy because i wouldn't have seen kurt schilling anywhere in my life that i would have noticed these things 
but right. because he did put it out onto a social platform for millions of people to see, he, you kind of have to deal with the repercussions of that. Is he a great pitcher? Sure. One of the best postseason pitchers ever. Yeah. But he's also a jerk and somebody I wouldn't want to hang out with. So, Dow Flores was. I'm sorry. Well, that's what, like, Jake read the definition of, or the, like, mission statement of the Hall of Fame last week, perhaps. But, um, it brings into account character and like personal integrity. And I mean, like for players like that do the public services or the charity work, like there's no doubt Albert Pujols character would be tarnished for by anything that he's done, let alone like his numbers on the field. So like living on and off the field as an exemplary, just like role model, I think that's what we're looking for. like people are looking for in Hall of Fame candidates, like true Hall of Fame candidates. And unfortunately, um, you know, be it as it may, if you will, um, just taking steroids is cheating. And I think a lot of those players are going to be going into that special Hall of Fame because at least I think a lot of people in America like to believe that one of like the uh, values is like a hard work ethic and um steroids is a shortcut even though you can't you know like you can't beat the, the hand-eye placement or you know somebody's breaking ball or like the technical skill that it takes it's still it's a shortcut man albeit for recovery or for strength gain um speed gain it's just it's a shortcut and i think that's what's going to really truly hold them back and it's not that they weren't great at you know even without it but they took it and it gave them a leg up so the question i would have is is there a difference between someone like david ortiz who again got i mean barely barely got voted in i was 77.9 yeah, percent but but <clears throat> but he got voted in on his he's the first bell hall of famer and that that kind of title carries a lot of weight with players but kind of infamously he was his name was leaked leaked in what was in 2003 the Mitchell report right. as someone who allegedly failed a steroid test granted never failed one past that and you know before then, there's never been allegations or anything of the sort. But what is the difference? Is there a difference between someone like Ortiz, who has been connected to steroids, and someone like, uh, again, like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Manny Ramirez, Erod? What's the difference? Why does he kind of get a pass in some people' in some people's eyes? Um, Y'all could correct me and help out with the audience. Uh, is Ortiz's relations to like steroids just hearsay, and everybody else has been documented and proven? So you know, I don't, go ahead, Sergeant. Yeah, no, it's fine. In two thousand three, when the Mitchell report came out, and the Mitchell report, for anyone who doesn't know. The report was a kind of a voluntary survey test that was taken in 2002 to see how kind of how bad steroids were throughout the league. 
And so when the names came out, it was, it was supposed to be in a, an anonymous report showing a percentage of players and all this kind of stuff. Well, it just so happened that names got leaked. One of those names in 2003 was David Ortiz. Now you can, you can, there's plenty of stuff to go back and forth, but either way, he was connected to steroids. There is suspicion. So that's kind of where the info comes from. There's no other information, but there is that link. I'd have to say that that's what the defining difference would be then. It's just hearsay versus actual, like, proof, guilt. smoking gun. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's that sounds like like rumors. Like, it sounds like you can anonymously say that, yeah, like a teammate did it or somebody else did it. And it's like, okay, well, okay. (laughs) I can also say Benny took steroids. It doesn't make it true. So, I mean, look at those those pythons. AK-47. Could just be someone hating on him. Like, okay. So, here's my thing, right? We know for a fact that there's already people in the Hall of Fame that have taken steroids, right? So you just want to open the uh, floodgates, Yeah, do we want to open up those names? So it's in a baseball documentary by Ken Burns. I don't know if you've seen it, but everyone should have it and see it. Why don't you you save the names? Go ahead. Sorry, see my series started listening to me again. I don't know. I didn't even touch it. So so, so what I'm saying, what I said then is... If you're going down this road, why don't you share some names? Just oh, I'm gonna drop some names. Yeah, out there. exactly what yeah, I'm gonna do. do. It. So, uh, in this documentary, you're talking to the guy who like first broke the McGuire steroid scandal. He's one of the people being interviewed, uh, and he's saying how he was standing in uh, the Oakland dugout, right? And you have McGuire and you have Canseco. They're both doing their stuff, and then another player who's in the Hall of Fame comes walking over. And he's drinking a uh, protein drink. The guy goes, what's in that? And he goes, we call it a Canseco milkshake, right? So clearly, there's steroids in this milkshake. This is this is what they're doing. This is their thing. Think, yeah. So, okay. And that player is Ricky Henderson. So Ricky Henderson, who's clearly in the Hall of Fame, who was so on those think, East teams. You don't think it was 90s. just a protein shake that they call I don't, a Canseco shake? Like, no, it's, it's very clearly... Steroids. Who knows? Old How do you know? You can't. Just, no, it's in. It's you in. Can't it's hard just, about this. You can't just assume that that. I'm like not assuming anything. I'm steroids. talking about this guy who made a, a report about the A's what? in the early 1990s, 30 most, years ago. If you're going to take steroids, the most effective way to do it, everyone knows, is through a shot. So why the heck are these? They were doing rich, that too, brother. So, oh, they doing, so they. They're just taking them at all. They probably took suppositories too. Then. Dude, they were. I mean, give it steroids everywhere. Have in you my seen butt, down saying, my mouth. Yeah. So, so all I'm saying is that there are plenty. There Siri just are goes, plenty of ways. Him in my butt. She did it again. She did it again. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna cut that whole thing. Classic series. So again, let's not do that again because I don't want to edit. <laughs> so, uh, but going back to what Ben was saying, I just want to say there are plenty of different ways that you can take steroids. So. Ben, I don't know if you want to keep going down that road, but we know people in the Hall of Fame, or we assume there are allegations that people have taken steroids in in their career. Um, the question I would have is: is this when it comes to character, 
that that rule for eligibility for to vote for them was only introduced i think it was 2014. the issue i have with it is that seems very directly linked to a certain kind of player and at a certain time only, yeah right the one so i i said this to my wife earlier today there are three major arguments i would have against the character in the the uh the usual bonds and clemens and everyone else is that one past players character are you are you kidding me there are past players who would fail that character test like so past Ty Cobb says hello <laughs> right 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 Great guy. Well, me, no he he wouldn't he wouldn't say hi to me no he would not. so uh so past players but then also the managers and even the commissioner during that steroid era are in the hall of fame so people who benefited off bear bonds or someone like mark mark mcguire takes steroids are in the hall of fame also i would say this for future you know candid candidates players who are about to be in the hall of fame so are we going to say that players who use sticky sticky stuff while pitching that's a character issue too because that's i mean technically cheating it's cheating so are, yep. so are are we gonna say a player who's alleged to have used sticky stuff are they it's now fine. not allowed to be in the hall yeah are we not allow, allowing future players to have these allegations follow them into the hall of fame career i just feel like the character clause is just a mess hmm. and it's way too subjective that's sure all, does make all it subjective. i have to say it's very ambiguous so, so what's the let's just just take it as one last takeaway kind of talked about it a little bit but what's your one last takeaway from from this uh announcement this this uh voting cycle so we kind of texted about it jake oh sorry Dom. uh <clears throat> we kind of texted about it jake back and forth that um I was like, it sucks that Bonds didn't get in or Clemens didn't get in. You can be mad about that, but also don't don't rain on Poppy. <laughs> he had a great career and he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like that. I don't take anything away from the guy who did get in because you're mad at the people that didn't get in. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's very normal of us. That's very human being of us. But it's still like this guy still had a great career, and I feel like it's always going to be overshadowed by the people who didn't get in just based on time-wise, you know, just because Poppy retired five years after them. And that's just how it, you know, scheduled out, you know what I mean? Where his first year was there for their last, you know what I mean? And that just seems unfair to him, but it's like, I just hope everyone in due time remembers how great of a career Poppy was. And and his ambassadorship, like when he did all the stuff, he, he was a great guy too. People liked him. Uh, he was personable. He was fun. Uh, people enjoyed like being around him and stuff. And I think that, I think that goes a long way in building a career that his transgressions with steroids, people don't even really remember because people like him. They, they choose to overlook the flaws. If, if Roger Clemens wasn't such a prickly person and if Barry Bonds wasn't so, you know, put off by life, if they were nicer, maybe they would have better relationships with people and things change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree.
Dallas did you have one last uh, reflection from the class, uh, the, the whole thing class? Just doesn't look like I'll be getting in anytime soon, guys. I mean, the Danimal will be. Yeah. But that's it. So, no, my one last reflection is if you look at the list of players who will be on the ballot next year, you know, there were quite a few players who actually did not get that 5% vote to stay on the ballot. So, but the ballot next year is going to be interesting. So, the next player who was going to be on the ballot and who received the most votes still is Scott Rowland. And I believe the next one after that, I believe, is Todd Helton. Then you have Billy Wagner. Yeah. So you have Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, and then Andrew Jones. So I'm very interested to see what kind of happens with them. Do their do voters kind of take into account other players? Do they give them more shots? So I'm interested, and in, I believe the the Hall of Fame. We're not done talking about steroids and getting into Hall of Fame. That's for sure. But I do. Hey, let me ask you this. Put, Can I just let me just ask yeah. you a quick question? Do we yeah. know who any first uh, first ballots are next year? Anybody notable? Uh, I have not heard. Okay. Anything, I didn't know. So. If, I didn't know like how quickly after this class did they release like who's coming next year or whatever. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I'm sure there's something already. Because that's gonna help we work is we just move on immediately, but I've not seen anything. So okay. we'll see. Uh but no, I mean someone like Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, I'm very excited to see if they get a major jump in votes. Hopefully, I voted for both of them. I I believe they're both Hall of Famers, so I'm kind of invested in that. So Let's kind of move on from the Hall of Fame class of 2022 to move on to the latest in the saga of the CBA negotiations. Now, this week on Monday and today, Tuesday, they got to have a meeting between the league and the MLBPA. And can anyone guess what ended up happening? Did we get a deal or no? What do you think? I'm gonna say no. Yeah, I we did not. Deal, Man, deal or no deal? Oh, absolutely no deal. Um, so that's kind of where we stand. We we kind of expected this. I think anyone who's even a casual fan of baseball kind of knew that at the end of this, nothing would be signed. But I will say, the uh, the baseball pro- pro- reporters Jeff Passan said that after after a Monday bargaining session led to the first sliver of progress between the sides since the league locked the players out December 2nd. So there is a slight, uh, what he said, a first sliver of progress. So, I mean, let's let's just be happy there's something. You know, I'm surprised there's a sliver. I thought there'd be nothing. Now, you guys even looked further into it. There are three major things that the MLB, the league, and the MLBPA are kind of going over and trying to evaluate what they are going to look like moving forward. And this is kind of getting in the weeds. But I do want to share something. So 
As I was researching this, I came across two different articles from two different sites, one of them from the league and one of them from Bleacher Report. Now, from the league, I read an article that was very, very heavily lent towards the owners in favor of the owners. And these phrases like uh, the, the players want to radically alter the system, they want massive changes. The league offered significant increases in pay. They want to uh, have even more bonuses. They want to have, they, they call the service time manipulation. So again, the skin and the weeds, they called that a legend. Now, I'm, we're all Cubs fans here. We know their service time manipulation because we Chris, saw Chris, Chris Bryant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we saw it. There's no alleged, like, like uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He was kept out until the day after the deadline the, for arbitration. Yeah. So there is manipulation. If you have, it's not alleged anyway. So they called it that. They also said there's alleged tanking. Again, we're Cubs fans. We're in the division with teams that we can say are never good, or at least one team that's never good. Now, as I was reading this, these articles, the obviously the MLB report is a lot more favorable to the owners, and the Bleacher, Bleacher report is more favorable to the players. But I do want to ask this kind of question. If there's a casual fan listening, how should they view the CBA negotiation? Should they see, should they have more of a leniency with the owners, or should they just kind of naturally lean with the players? What do you guys think? It's like a deep philosophical conversation. Like, are you pro? Oh, oh, are you are you I mean, pro? I mean, uh, we're, we're having deep conversations right now. And say, are we pro worker? Are we pro pro boss? You know, mm-hmm. I'm pro worker in every sense of the way. I think uh, I don't really care about the the money of billionaires. I care about the money that I have, and I'm one of the people that would be a worker. You know, because <laughs> I'm not an owner. There's 30 owners. There's 25 guys per major league team. Mm. You know what I mean? So. The fact that that guy can make billions of dollars and still claim that he didn't do well last year because the team didn't sell or whatever is ridiculous, right? Um, I'm pro every contract. I know eventually we're going to talk about contracts, um, but I want I I want every player to make every dollar they possibly can because you have to live the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like you, at the end of the day, the team, unless you're special unless you're magical one player that gets your number retired or whatever you come through and then you're done and then at the end of the day nobody really cares except if you're like us and we talk about weird obscure baseball players you know like what's david kelton doing you know what i mean where's matt merton is he making is he making money still no i don't know but i want him to i want them to be rich i want them to all sign bonilla deals forever so I will be pro player until I'm blue in the face, Jake. You know where I stand on Kurt Flood. You know where I stand on all that stuff. So give me give me pro player contracts. Give me pro players for life. <clears throat> Easy, absolutely. Yeah. 
No, there's like, it's not even a discussion. I think yeah, it's also it's... the way that we grew up too. Just, you know, not, not to not to pry back the curtains or whatever, but none of us were millionaires growing up. So, uh, no. <laughs> so I think just knowing what it is to be like a working class person, you, you kind of always side with the working class people. But You'd I'm sure there's other people that have different, yeah. But I was just say, there's people that grew up just down the block from us that were probably like, man, why are the players being greedy? Like, dude, what are you serious? Like, <laughs> the owner is making that money. Like, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do know that my, uh, I don't know what you call it, but my wife's grandfather was a, he was in the majors and then went off to war. And apparently when he came back, there was an argument with the union at that time. I'm not sure what year that was, but either way. So he never watched baseball again because of his view of the players that are like, you're playing the game. You should be so lucky, lucky mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. any money. So when it comes to that, I'm like, yeah, but it's their job. I think back, you know, I think all the way through baseball, it's been people's job and it should be the right for them to have that as a major source of income. Now, we're not talking about someone like Max Scherzer, who's making, what, $32 million or $4 million a year. We're talking about the guy who's, I don't know, 30, 31 years old and is finally able to maybe sign a contract for the first time in his life. Like a legit his, contract, yeah. Right. So, and these, like someone like even Whistling Contreras for the Cubs, he, even last year, I know this is going to sound like a lot, but when you go, when you go down the taxes and agents and all that, the Wilson Contreras, last time I checked, was making under, like, I think it was under 750000 or 500000 as a star catcher. And if he doesn't have the right to even potentially try to sign a new deal with the Cubs, I mean, why would the Cubs have no reason to if they can pay him that little and get that production? Why would they want to pay him more? So... I think we're all kind of in the consensus is that there is a feeling amongst people, amongst the casual fan, I believe, that should be pro-player, that should be, you know, get your money like anyone. Free agency, yeah. get your money. Like I mean, provide, provide financial stability for your family. Change your family's life. These billionaires are not going to be to bog down with you know you making an extra like 10 million dollars they're not they're it's not a dent right not to them <clears throat> i mean and that's what i was just thinking it's like every single person who's pro owner right let's just say why are the players being greedy or whatever hmm. every single one of them who has a job would take more money if offered by right. a different like Maybe ten percent of people would be like, you know what? I'm I am so loyal to X, Y, and Z company that I am willing to not make any more money, stay here until I retire, and then die. And then they'll give me a gold pocket watch, kick me in the butt, and leave, right? Or I could just take my money that I'm gonna make and go work for ABC company and make sure my family's set. Like that's crazy. 
it, it's crazy to, like I, that that logic and it just doesn't click so there are three major things that players are in the players association are fighting for and this honestly i don't understand this fully some of the stuff i'm still learning about because to be honest it didn't it didn't really affect my life you know until recently and that whatever anyway so there are three main pillars that they're kind of fighting for and they want to see change in they want to they want to see a change in free agency where if someone is 30 years old in six months after that season that is completed the players wanted to, for them to automatically enter free agency now that's not a rule there is no age-based free agency now the owners have said absolutely not that's a non-starter like it matters to them really but the second pillar is arbitration and honestly arbitration is one of those things that you know they talk about and players are really under they're under team control for a long time so what they want to do is they want to reduce the number of years you're in arbitration from three years of team control from like free agency to two years now in this proposal they made monday and then today that's something that was still in their you know um in the deal they sent back and the third thing is called revenue sharing and this is the, the financial part that i don't fully understand but it comes down to sharing money with smaller market teams and they want to de-incentivize teams that are tanking or historically are not providing high uh wages and reasons they have a few fans that come in their stadium so the raise the, the, the pirates start the, going the, the raise yeah. the, the marlins those are the, the bottom four yeah the, i mean those are the bottom like five teams so yeah so there's something about revenue sharing that again i don't fully understand but they want to change it so that smaller market teams who are not producing and not providing financial incentive to players they're not those owners and those teams are just being given tons of money just for existing so they want to change that but of course the owners are opposed to that so they're really kind of in a stalemate but i do think as they said as the uh, as Jeff Passon pointed out, there's a sliver of progress. There's something that they're changing. So, I mean, that's progress, good. Progress, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, the the article articles I read and you know everything I know, the regular season starts March thir March thirty first. Now they said if a collective bargaining agreement is agreed on it would have to be by the beginning of march so they can prepare i and that's like even taking away some spring training mm -hmm. what do you guys think do you guys think we'll lose games or do you guys think this will get figured out i think it'll get figured out the owners are interested in making money if they don't start the season they're gonna lose a lot more Yeah, I mean, realistically, I mean, progress, like you said, progress is progress. So the fact that they're even talking and making 
moves. I mean, I think it's sooner than Jake. I think you and I thought, right? Like, I didn't think they'd be talking until the middle of February, like after pitches and catches would have reported and people are, you know, getting ready to start the season and stuff. Um, but the fact that they're having these conversations at the end of January, I mean, that's 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 good. That's a good sign. That that means that we're moving in the right direction, hopefully. Um, but time will tell. I mean, everybody knows how finicky the owners and the players association can be. I mean, though, these guys yeah. have, I mean, a majority of the players, like the league minimum is what? A couple hundred thousand, right? If, let's just say it's 750. I don't know. It's, it's not. It's like, I think it is the near <laughs> five to 500. All right. Let's call it 500,000. That's still pretty sick. So like, as long as you weren't an absolute buffoon and spent all of your money and you're like now homeless, you're going to be okay if you miss a couple a couple months of the season. But right. the reputation and the damage that it would do to baseball, to the sport, which is already yeah. is struggling to keep up with basketball's expansion and, and yeah. football's expansion. Like baseball's, baseball's, you know, it's it's stumbling. It's trying its best hurt, to keep man. up. And it's like if you cancel the season or if you start missing significant chunks of the year, you're going to – do harm. Yeah, you're gonna do harm. That's you're not. You might not be able to get the fans back. So, yeah. Hopefully, they so, figure it out. So, in the reports that came out from that first meeting, and this is the Monday meeting, it says the Major League Baseball deputy commissioner actually said verbally to the players in this meeting that the league is willing to lose regular season games. Now, the players took that as a threat. Of course, the league says it's not a threat. It's just a statement <laughs> of the obvious. Right, but, okay. but but a verbal, kind of a a verbal acknowledgement that they're willing to lose games, to right. me, to me says, if you're going to say that, that means you mean that. Yeah. So, so yeah. to me... It, to me, I, I understand they want to make money during this business to make money, but again, let's remind everyone to remind ourselves that in '94, when they did have this lockout, lockout, and they did miss games, the actual issue the, the issue was that the owner of the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, did say the the major issue they had was that they were not willing to sit out the season, if not two. That kind of mindset amongst owners, to me, and them acknowledging they're they're willing to miss games, to me, just shows such a short sightedness that is, to me, again, I think it's just more evidence to be on the player side. Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a different point where owners aren't maybe necessarily baseball fans even really anymore, right? We grew up, yeah. uh, and when I say we grew up, I act like we're 80 years old. But, like, think about it. Those old school owners were guys that were there when baseball was founded. Like, they were hanging out with dudes in the Civil War, and then the baseball was created, and they started owning teams. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, it was, a, it was a passion. It was a life source. It was a love. Where now it's a business, right? These guys are, are making a ton of money, and it's like, do they really care about the sport or how much of them? It's interesting. Can you guys hear me? 
I can hear you. I can't hear Jake though. Okay. I see his lips moving. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, Jake, we can't hear you. Oh, wait. All right, there, there we go. There we go. So, okay, I was like, wait, right. what? <laughs> so, so as I was saying to no one, <laughs> so there is a sliver of progress, but I still have the opinion that we'll miss spring training games. I think the season would be pushed back. If not, games will be eliminated from the season. So I think this year is going to be messed up. I'm just not sure how. I'm not very optimistic that they're like secretly talking. I think this is going to be how it is. So I would think we'll kind of be sitting here until maybe the beginning of March, if not middle, with this kind of news. So before we get really depressed that baseball's not coming back anytime soon, let's move on to third base. Now, third base is actually kind of what we do at the beginning of the show, where we talk about some some major news around baseball. Now, the first bit of news is comes from Robo or Robot Umpires. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see this? That they're going to have robot umpires calling balls and strikes in AAA this year. Yeah. Now, what they're saying is that they're going to, they posted a job opening for operators, which is never a good sign that you're posting employees, (laughs) like seasonal employees to operate your automated ball and strike. Like you did at Isaac Walton. He'd give you a hot dog and an airhead. You'd get a hot dog and an airhead for running the scoreboard. That's basically what you're doing. Let's just post this on Indeed or something and find a, qual- a qualified a qualified candidate. Like, come on, like, anyway. What happens so if they have post- IT problems? There's some tech guy that has to walk down to the home plate and he's like plugging stuff in, sitting there like, I don't know. I mean, I mean Star Wars the, down. I mean, I mean, probably that would probably happen. It's I'm probably sure a software like issue. Yeah. The, the first time it happens, it will get a lot of like jokes and stuff so anyway they're gonna have robot umpires in AAA this year now i don't think i even need to examine that story pretty much what do you guys think of robot umpires calling balls and strikes pro or pro are you pro talking tender about this earlier wow, i think that um was, that was a pause i think there's a well I see. I see the the. I see the benefit. Not not even a benefit. I just I understand why people would be against it, but then I also see why people would want to be for it. Like you like the nostalgia. You like how you know the games were called when you were coming up, and you think human error is part of the game, and that's what helps make it so fun and controversial and great. And then there's the other hand where it's like, yeah, but we actually want to play by how it's supposed to. And like we want like, we want real balls and strikes. We don't want some umpire who's like, ah, I sneeze. Like I don't know, the, I don't know what happened. So it's like, let's just go strike. So it's like, you know, there have been really bad blown calls, and um, why not have a little bit more automaticity to it? That was I don't know if that's word. a word, but I'll that was say nice. This. No, I I think that, was, that was that's a word, and that's Automot- the word of the automotism. Automotism. What did you even say? I'm gonna need you to ask Siri what it means. <laughs> hey, don't say it too loud, man. They're listening. Um, no, I get that, right? The robot I'm sort of listening to. Um, 
I want the game to be great, right? And I'm just, I, I'm just such a fan of the human element, to, to your point. Of like, mm-hmm. I like that a, uh, an awful miss a pitch. You know, I'm playing the show right now, right? Like, I have it on in the background. And I have it so that the umpire, if it's a ball off the strike, if the plate, you know, if the strike off the plate, they'll call it a, they'll call it a strike. He'll make mistakes because it seems more real. I don't want to take that away from that because then, then eventually it's just going to become more and more robotic and then they're going to make more and more changes. I like that baseball is kind of rustic and, and, you know, it's still pastoral. Like you're playing in a big open field and it's just green and it's beautiful and you're doing all this stuff outside. The more you bring it in in like a dome or an umpire that's made out of metal and stuff, it's just, I don't know. It takes you know, away some, next, it takes away next some time you want to come visit me, Jump on a yeah. horse. All right. You don't get to you don't get to drive a car. All right. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you know what? And I hope you're not even allowed. You can't use cruise control. Next time. You know how, on, on, the, on the cow or on the horse. Can't use Google you know, Maps. Cow. Yeah. So cow. Yeah, cow. Take me a little longer. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how long it would take on a horseback from where I am to where you are. From Springfield, Illinois to Nashville on horseback. Yeah. Just driving's just about Google five back. and a half hours. Google Maps it. Come on. One one horsepower. What's one yeah. horsepower compared to 250 horsepower? Yeah, so anyway, um I understand both sides of it. I am I'm not in favor of it and this is why. I do believe that baseball I mean, I think that a video game like like the show should be a video game. There should be Robotic umpires calling balls and strikes. <laughs> I I I don't believe that it should be a new. It's a it's a video game, but when we start bringing video game ball, like balls and strikes or calling, I like it's that next step to calling. Say like there's gonna be no umpires now. It's how old or I'm like oh the machines are taking over. <laughs> but, First it was my checkout line. Now it's my umpire. <laughs> Well, right, but we right. do we do use like instant replay, right? To your well, point, that but there is a human deciding if they're out or safe or whatever home run or not. All right, but balls have calls have been overturned because of it. True, but they so they can utilize balls and strike like a zone to okay. say, "Oh no, this is a strike." But it, I, I would just, still want I'm a not, human umpire to do it. Right. So would you guys, would you guys, in the human, sorry, Del, go ahead. what about, what about a strike zone or what about just challenging strike zones? I feel like that, that would be the next step. And then that just seems silly. Like when you could just have a completely automated strike zone. It seems like, well, super tech and it would take it, 12 it, years. Well, if you're going to have something oh, like that, because, because it can become like every pitch you challenge, <laughs> I think you should get like a, yeah, throw the red flag. Red flag every single pitch. No, what I'm saying oh. is, I, if if they go down that road, and I think that's a middle ground where they can challenge a, a strike or a ball or a swing, or something like that. I believe there should be a very limited number, like two or three a game, mm-hmm. and they can like get quickly solved, and that's it. Like less than, than thirty you, seconds. And if you want to go down the robot umpire thing after that. Then sure, but I don't feel like you just make the jump. 
I I just think it's too fast. But there's uh, aggressive too. They just jump straight from like low ball or whatever it was, like low A ball, to like oh bam, right before the majors. <laughs> we're gonna see this. We're not we're not even trying. We're just going bam bam. That's yeah, I brave. mean, why not? No, I mean, if it works, the, it works. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is they didn't even do it in double A, and I feel like if you want to, anyway. So we can go down the road and argue about about that for a little bit, but. The Tampa Bay Rays actually got their uh, split season plan to have half their season or technically uh, more than half their season in Montreal. That plan got rejected this past week. Mm. Now, for anyone who, anyone who doesn't know, the Tampa Bay Rays wanted to have the first two months of the season in in Tampa, technically, it's St. Petersburg. It's not in Tampa. But they want right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they the want to have they they wanted to have the first two months in Tampa, and they wanted to have the rest in Montreal, and then postseason postseason would be split up. But that plan got rejected this past week. Now, I want to ask you guys this one question. Question, because the Rays owner, Stuart Sternberg, actually had this quote. He said that the um, the having the split season is actually going to be the wave of the future in professional sports. I don't buy it, but that's not the question. If so, let's just say, again, we're Cubs fans. If the Cubs, if the Cubs would have a split season somewhere, what location would they have that? San Juan, Puerto Rico. Si- what? San Juan, Puerto Rico. All right. If you're gonna do it, do it. If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna migrate like birds, apparently, and you're half the season up north and half the season in the warm weather, just go all out and build a yeah. sweet stadium in Puerto Rico. How how can you complain? And you're just there, and it's awesome. And I would sign sign me up for that. that I'll be on the Cubs awesome. squad team. I'll be on the Cubs Puerto Rican team. Boom, sign me up. All right, that's that's definitely one avenue. That is, but does he have any idea where you wouldn't want to have your split season Cubs team? I wouldn't want him to go anywhere. <laughs> that's just I'm calling me a lazy fan, but like, all right, I'm going anywhere. But we're playing this hypothetical. If they are um, going somewhere, I mean, but it would be someplace like lame, like Indianapolis, like because that's it's the closest. <laughs> wow! Place in the you can just say St. Louis. There's already nothing going on there. <laughs> Not a whole lot of action there. It's like, hey, we we built an arch. Come look. I mean, I would say it'd be cool if they like moved the team to Nashville for a little bit. Like, I think it would be really what. Like, I think Nashville could use a like an MLB team. They ha- they have a. I think it's a a double A team in town. Nashville Sounders, yeah. Yeah, the Sounders. I think they're double A, but um, they could. I mean, they would. I think they'd benefit greatly from an MLB team for a little bit, at least. Like, it, if the league is just trying to like scout some new cities that have like a lot of interest, as it turns out, yeah, not the worst idea. But then you also have to find major league ballparks to play in that are already just there. <laughs> So you, no, you already you tear down poor to... neighborhoods and you build a new city. Right. That's all. Well, that's no. the thing. Like, if, no. if the city's committing to a like a stadium for a couple months, you might as well just get your own team. Like, just do the thing. Well, 
So I don't know, Jake, if you heard this, but Portland and Nashville, I think, are leading the charge for expansion teams as the two potential cities. Well, I know that now Montreal is in that mix. Yeah, they have to be. Dude, I thought it was going to be so cool. I was so pumped. I was like, man, the Expos jerseys are dope. I love the Expos hat. I want an Expos hat real bad. Um, But I was like, man, I was so pumped to see it. Like, maybe they're going to play an old Olympic Stadium, you know? A terrible mm. AstroTurf, like from All Star Baseball. Oh. Nobody wanted oh, yeah. to play in those stadiums. Gross. But, no. Yeah. It was like even cloudy indoors. It had no reason. I was like, what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> but um, I don't know if we talked about this as like a potential when we did like those combination episodes, Jake. But if we did like yeah. the funnest uh, minor league teams, did we do that? Like funniest names, minor league team names? Uh, I don't think we've planned on it, but we definitely can. Cause there's some wild ones. Like I was just thinking the sounders, like that's such a, like I get it. It's like music Nashville, but that's lame. Right. What is a sounder? Yeah, I don't want anything to be a else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there was a minor league team that just re, re uh, got a rebrand or a rename. They got named the space Cowboys. Excellent. Love excellent. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, there's a, there's a team called the trash pandas and they're just a raccoon. <laughs> like that's just so great. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. That is great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if we're playing this hypothetical, I do think possibly having the Cubs be split. I know it's not, you know, again, a huge market, but Cubs fans are, are again, we know they're everywhere. And Dallas, you joked about it, but somewhere like Indianapolis, Indiana I know a bunch of people from Indiana, and they're all Cubs fans. So why not have half the year where somewhere where they can actually go to, and they're not for some reason afraid, afraid of coming to Illinois? It's I think it could be a really good option, but of course, split season is not going to be the wave of the future. I think so, we all agree that that's ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but I mean, but I don't and expensive. Know. Could you imagine just having to like move the entire team half the year? Like that's and how that would work. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it got de- it got uh, denied main- mainly because the owner said logistics were the issue. Of course, that's the issue. So, anyways, so yeah. but the uh, Tampa Bay Rays will stay in in Tampa or St. Petersburg, so they'll stay there for the time being. And we'll see. Their lease ends in that building in Tropicana. It ends in 2027 or after that year. So potentially they could start to look for a new venue or potentially move. So we'll see what comes from it. Yeah. How long do you think it normally takes? Like, what's the process from we well, have a they, new city, they, we need to build it? Da, da, da. Is that that? Well, I mean, they, obviously I know it's years, but is it like. Yeah, no, they, they actually said. Uh, they said if they started to think about that, go down the road, they would actually pick a location by 2023 mm-hmm. and start like moving. You know, well, you'd have to. But, I mean, you could always look at the Mercedes Benz Stadium or the Dome, whatever the Falcons just built. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, the Braves are in Atlanta. You can't really. Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying, like how long it it took like folks to build the stadium. Oh, I guess yeah, oh, yeah. in Atlanta. Well, I just meant like because you're also having to yeah. move, like move a whole team. It's a little bit different yeah. than just building a new stadium in the same city, as opposed right. to like 
like we uh, said, building, knocking down, you know, abandoned buildings, finding the right neighborhood, building the stadium, doing right. all the marketing, doing all, everything that comes with it. Like that has to yeah. be a five, six year project. You know? Yeah. It sounds like trash. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the uh, I think, Major League Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it feels like a video game, so either way. But, I mean, we have time in for now. We're in Tampa, so so we'll see. But let's actually uh, round third and hit home plate. Let's talk about our Chicago sports team's takes of the week in Dallas. Let's actually, actually start with you. What is your Chicago team sports take of the week? Well, I hope to see the Hawks start at least performing better just in a, as a general desire. But um, since we were talking about, like, relocating teams, it reminded me of the Bears and, like, their lease with Soldier coming up. And, like, I'm really hoping that they don't uproot and go to Arlington Heights. <laughs> like, please don't. That's not – like, that's properly outside of the city. Like, you, you're not the Chicago Bears anymore. You're going to have to rebrand everything. Sorry, you can call yourself like the Illinois somethings. I don't know, figure it out. But it's not the Chicago Bears anymore. I know we talked about this before when we when the, the news first broke. But there's a lot of teams that don't live and play in the city that they're named. So that is, is kind of common. No, I know, but it's common. <laughs> it, it's a thing that happens. It's not like the Bears are unique in that. Um, mm. I love the fact that they're making moves. They just hired a new GM guy who was assigned as an undrafted free agent out of Boston College by the Bears. So, you know, and we caught him. So he wasn't great, but, you know, he's Thanks. got a great – he's, he's the one doing the cutting now, baby. The cutter becomes the – the cutty becomes the cutter, you know. Um, yeah. But he's going to hire the GM. I know he's – he's going to hire the coach. He's got uh, interviews in a couple of days with the rest of the candidates that they have. Uh, so I'm just pumped, man. I'm really excited about the future – that the Bears are going to go in. I hope they get uh, a defensive-minded coach because I like the Bears when they're defense-heavy. And then if you score 14 points with the Bears only let up seven, that's fine because the beans the Bears are going to win, and that's all I care about. So get a defensive-minded coach. Eberflus, that's my guy from the Colts. That's my guy. No, it's, it's got it's got to be Flores, but well, oh, sure. I'll leave it. Yeah, but I'll leave it there. So my take of the week is it connects to Chicago sports, but actually it's about another sports league, and that is the National Women's Soccer League. Now, if you guys can't get enough lockout, the NWSL on February 1st, if the Players Association and the owners do not agree on a new CBA, there will be... A possible strike. So not 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 great news, but the players are supposed to they're potentially not, not going to show up for preseason workouts. And that affects the Red Stars a lot because they do have some uh they do have a pretty healthy team. But their goalie last year, Alyssa Nair, actually got hurt. So having a preseason getting back to form could be really good for the Red Stars. But if they don't agree to a new CBA within the next week or so, we will have no soccer uh, really in the city because the fire, I mean, fire not really in contention. So either way, 
So it affects the Red Stars. But NWSL, if you can't get enough lockout news, the NWSL might be right along with you. So, Jeez, Jake, why is... don't you like more stable sports? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't know. You're going to have to pause your winning soccer league <laughs> podcast. Jake's yeah, like, I mean, well, I got into the uh, North American Indoor Bowling League lately, and I got to tell you, things have uh, been heating up over there. To to put them side by side and say that's equally as popular is a little offensive, but I'll leave there. To the so bowlers, it, yeah, to bowlers. <laughs> let's let's calm down before I get a little upset. So anyway, let's uh, let's end, end here. That is my sports take week, and this will be the episode four of the On Family Basis podcast. Again, my name is Jake. I'm Ben. Okay, I'm- Got him again. You did it again. I got you first, though. No, I went first. Absolutely. I cut first, I got, I got. Ben. Ben, go first. What's up? I'm Ben. Bye. Bye. I'm Dallas. Farewell. <laughs> All right. And we will see you guys this time next week. Bye. I'm first. I'm first. Bye.